What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Just Drinking, and I'm joined by Mr. David Wise. Dave, tell people what we were talking about today. Drake, we're going to diagnose NC State. A lot of fun thoughts on that, like I'm sure everyone else does. We also got to dive into the sad news of Chubba Purdy. We've been the Chubba Purdy Hive, and that era is over. And if we have time, we're going to tease some FM, FFM. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Miami Hate Week here on Locked on Seminoles. And you know what? I'm going to hold back thunder anymore. Let's get right to it. You are Locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Drake, and today, as I said earlier, I am joined by Mr. David Wise. Davey, what's up, beautiful? What's going on, man? You know, Drake, we were riding high for a minute there, and now I'm just depressed about football again. I need this year to end. Let's get, a, let's get on with it. Yeah, I think 2021 has been kind of a dud in all facets of the game, whether it be sports, society, personal. It's been a, it's been a rough go, but no, we are here to you know jumpstart it up because it is Miami Hate Week, but before we can turn the page and get ready for the festivities, we need to talk a little bit about the anti-state game. Now, I didn't watch the state game live. I actually was in the Bahamas with Max for a friend of ours, bachelor party with Cam. Love you, my guy. Can't wait till the way next month. And we, I watched it when I got back yesterday. And by that, I mean I fell asleep at 6.30, woke up at 4.30 in the morning, and proceeded to watch the game, you know, later today. And the game was a tale to has primarily because I don't think I've ever seen our offense be as poor as the one I saw actually in the first half. Can you agree, Dave? Yeah, uh, first half was, God, let me find the words, impotent, sterile, benign, harmless. We just, good God, we, I don't want to get mean here, but that was the worst offensive half of football I can remember seeing a Florida State team have, including the Willie Taggart era. I think that game on Saturday was just showed how important Jordan Travis is not only to the offense, but I guess to this team in general. Could you agree? Or do you want to expand on that? Yeah. I mean, I haven't exactly been the biggest Jordan Travis supporter of anybody out there, but I think at this point, it's pretty obvious when he's not out there, we are our worst football team. He is clearly the best amongst what I would call a group of bad options at this point. Um, I can't wait for some competition to get in here like AJ Duffy. Uh, but right now, Jordan Travis, he's the best chance we have to play winning football. Uh, clearly, the run game suffers when he's not in. And because the run game suffers, the pass game suffers. So our entire offense suffers. And I think also the entire team does, too, because Jordan, I mean, we saw with the UNC game, like, I mean, we have the picture for the YouTube thumbnail that we might use for this actual episode where, like, he has the brightest smile when, like, he's playing while he's going out there. Like, he just brings, like, a very contagious and infectious attitude to like towards the game where if he's not on the side I don't think he was on the sideline because apparently he was put aside because he was very sick because you know the Halloween flu was spreading around and trust me folks it's not that's not a good thing because I had that my freshman year and it's the only way I was able to lose most of the weight when I got there I didn't have no freshman 15 I had the freshman negative 15 when I got that trust me believe me but it was just it was 
it showed also that like not only how important he was, but also that our quarterback room is in a very, very bad, bad disarray. I mean, we'll discuss Chubby Purdy in the next segment, but as as much as you and I, you know, championed, you know, Mackenzie Milton and how much we wanted him to start him to play, 2021 Mackenzie Milton not only I think limits your offense, I think it stunts it as well. I mean, the first half of play that we saw from him was just really, really poor. The second half, he was a lot more solid. He had a lot more time, but towards the end of the game, we just saw he was taking unnecessary sacks. He was missing open throws that where we thought that he'd be able to do, and the throws that he kind of you know was known for making, he put him in the spots where it should be anticipatory for the wide receivers. Our wide receivers aren't good enough to like do that, and that's what led to the first pick he threw. So it just showed how limited I think the rest of our options are. Quarterback. Yeah, to be, I mean, I'm not going to make excuses for him, but to be fair. Wow, our receiver room. Um, I'm going to limit it to that because I don't want to talk bad about teenage kids, but wow, our receiver room. Holy hell. Um, when when you don't have to worry about an opposing team's receivers getting behind you and you don't have to worry about the quarterback being able to push the ball downfield, you can really key in on the run. And when you don't have to worry about the quarterback running too, I've basically just limited all the options on offense to basically – can you run the ball? Well, when they know we're going to try to do it, no, you really can't run the ball, especially against a decent run defense like NC State. And the, even the short passing game, just Mackenzie Milton was kind of erratic on a lot of even short throws. When he did put it on the receivers, it was behind them. And with the receivers would drop a bunch of them. They weren't getting to good spots on the field. They weren't running good routes. My God, just... Everything went wrong from an offensive perspective that could have gone wrong. And Jordan Travis clearly covers up a lot of the deficiencies on this team. Before we go over to defense, do you have anything else to add for the offense? Just my God. Fast forward to 2022. Let's get, come on, Kevin Coleman. Come on, baby. Yeah, we're not getting Kevin Coleman, folks. But if we did, it'd be great if we can take him over on prize picks. Folks. Price Picks is the one-stop shop for all your fantasy props and odds. Now, I'm a big fan of it, to be perfectly honest with you. I love making picks, whether I'm more of a baseball guy, so in the world, I have Max Freed over a certain amount of strikeouts. I also had Dansby Swanson over a certain amount of hits, and I also had a little bit of action of Jorge Soler for over, under, half a home run. And trust me, folks, that cashed in Game 6. Even though I'm not a Braves fan, I was fine with you know taking them and making a little bit of money. So, Head on over to prizepicks.com and use promo code LOCKED ON. That's L O C K E D O N. Or download on your phone and they will match up to 100% on your first deposit. Once again, folks, that promo code is LOCKED ON. L O C K E D O N. Price Picks, where daily fantasy is made easy. I love it. Max loves it. Dave loves it. And of course, you know Holland Hayes love it as well. So I know you will too. Now let's. I, mean, I feel like this segment right here is going to be a. Tale of two, tale of two segments, kind of like the game was tale of two halves. I want to talk a little bit more the, about the defense and then talk about the elephant in the room, kind of with Tyler Purdy, you know, going out. Is that okay with you, Dave? Yeah, let's get it. So with the defense, um, I was going to be under the impression that the defense would not do very well against a Devin Larry, who's probably been probably one of the more under the radar QBs actually in the entire country. I think he's he's the only QB with I think twenty plus TDs and only two interceptions heading into the game. So. Our defense actually kind of handled them pretty well. Our run defense, I think, limited NC State to less than three yards per carry. And Bam Knight and Ricky Person Jr. are very good running backs. So I think more my issue, I think, with the defense was 
with one particular second particular position group, and that was the secondary. The secondary primarily to me left a lot to be desired. And I think there's one play in particular where it leads up to one of the touchdowns where Jarquez McClellan doesn't attack the ball. And we saw that similarly with Travis J against the Notre Dame game. So I don't know whether it's something that's being taught or it's fundamentals or technique. Just I think the DB room is still something that, in my opinion, is kind of slowly coming down to the linebacking poor level. Yeah, there were man, it's really sad because the name syndrome thing we joke about, we talk about, but it's it's really a real thing. I mean, we're still loaded with four-star blue chip kids in this secondary. And aside from a couple kids who've stood out in like specific areas like Jarvis Brownlee and run defense, holy hell, you don't want to see him coming in the box. Like, no, man. <laughs> no. Like Kevin Knowles as a nickel corner. I mean, he's been great. But aside from the two of them, who the hell in this secondary are you worried about? And who do you trust? Really tough to find any names there. It is hard. I mean, if I'm a opposing offensive coordinator, uh, I look at the depth chart. It's like, okay, who is starting? Okay, is Jerry and Jones starting? Okay, I'm going to go after him. Even though he did improve the past, like I think the two games before the bye. Clemson, he didn't do perform particularly well. And then also with, against this past game he that long touchdown that the, the the touchdown the first touchdown actually of the game was set up by a long touchdown pass where he just got absolutely burned but also in his defense it was a perfectly thrown ball by Devin Leary and then you have on the other side Travis J who if you notice he's not even on the two deep right now for the depth chart for Miami which is a startling development for someone that we had high hopes for and also had everyone's name on their tongue during spring and fall practices. Yeah. Um, let's let's get into the elephant in the room. We've said this before, but this was the worst of the year. Tackling, man. Tackling. Fundamental football. What the hell were Jerry and Jones and Akeem Dent thinking, not doing, thinking on a couple of those plays? Because mm-hmm. a couple times it looked like they didn't not only did they not take the right angle, it looked like they just didn't know where to go. Not that they physically couldn't, they just didn't know. I agree with that because like I don't think it was an effort thing. And some people I looked on Twitter, like, you know, during the game, I'm like, oh no, what is this effort? We're like, we don't care. And I watched the game, I was like, I don't think it's that they don't care. In fact, if you see throughout the game, they're hustling, they're bustling, they're trying to do everything they can. And it looks primarily just that they take the wrong angle. Or like you said, they have no idea how to respond. I think on the on the screen. So I got the notification that we scored. They scored on the screen pass for the, I think, the, the 28th point for, yeah. for their last touch in the game. I go to Max, Max at the table. I'm like, hey, why the hell do we, every time someone scores, it's always on a damn screen pass for 60 yards. And he's like, I don't know, man. We got to figure something out. And I, I, I saw it. And I'm just like, okay. So we have a missed tackle by Jerry and Jones like in the open field where he just got in his defense, he got broken. Like that man got shook out of his shoes. And then with Akeem Dent, he he has the angle, but then he like goes forward and gets sucked into the blocker, and then person just cuts in to, for the touchdown. So it's like it seems to me a lot of it, it's something that's being taught. And I don't know whether you know because I know a lot of the kids were sick for the entire week. So probably part of that is like leaves a lot of you know practice room practices were I know a lot more emptier. A lot of people didn't participate till later on in the week, so maybe they didn't have all the practice and game reps. But it seems like it's somewhat something that's like being taught or it's just not sticking with these kids. And that's kind of like, you know, where we're at at this point. Well, it seems like that because it's not just one or two kids. It's pretty much everybody besides in, in the secondary, at least besides like Jarvis Brownlee, 
maybe like I said, Kevin Knowles, Jamie Robinson, even Jamie, the even, Jamie. even the freshman. Uh, I think Amorian Cooper actually had a better game than most people thought. And like as a freshman, I think that's his first big game action. He did pretty well too. Right. Uh, you know, it's funny because you get down from the secondary and you saw some stereotypically good games. Jermaine Johnson had a hell of a grade in that game. Uh, run defense solid as usual. Uh, Keir Thomas named ACC Player of the Week, or Defensive Player of the Week, or right? Yeah, he owned he owned Ike Ikwanu, the left tackle, yeah. who is going to be a first round pick, and so that that game made him a lot of money. And even at the, after the game, he's like, "I don't care. I hate losing," which we all do. And it was just very it. It sucks primarily because, like, I think more of the like I don't want to say the game was frustrating because I think frustrating leads me to believe that we had a chance to win. This game was just more like. If we had different personnel, and I mean, like, if Jordan Travis was in the game, if like, we were able to keep the offense on the field a little bit longer, stop being super exhausted, like, we could have easily won this game. But it's like, it's, it just sucks, man. I mean, there's no other way really to put it. Yeah, you know, you know, the funniest part of all this is our highest graded player was Steven Dix. Our third highest graded player was DJ Lundy. Two of our three are linebackers. Mm -hmm. If you'd have told me that before the game. How many snaps, though? Uh, Dix had seven, Lundy had 33. So 40 between them. That's still pretty – look, anytime one of our linebackers is grading top of the team, I'm going to be happy. I don't give a, I don't give a who it is or what the situation. We just need to see more of that. But I didn't end that game thinking, wow, our defense blew it. Like on a play-to-play -play basis, NC State didn't really move the ball all that well on either side. For for all the for all the good things you said about their quarterback, he didn't impress me against our defense. I think they had like what thirty four carries for rushing yards, and like they like I said, they only averaged like a little under three yards of carry. And the play calling was extremely interesting because Devin Leary was taking deep shots on our corners, and that's where they got most of their points instead of most of their touchdowns. So it's like it's it was interesting to see them go away from that game plan. Yeah, it's funny. So they had 37 carries for 86 yards. That's a little over two yards a carry. You look at Devin Leary's stats, though, 21 for 32, 314 yards and four touchdowns. I You can't end that game. He was good, but you can't end the game and tell me. If you, I would, if you were to end that game and I were to say, tell me what his stats were, you sure as would not say he had over 300 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, but he still finished at a 66% clip and he's still like, we're still really efficient. But I guess, yeah, you're right. That's. I, yeah, I'm not. That is a kind of surprising. Now, as you can tell, I'm a little bit of a loss for words right here. But I think just overall, like people were pointing fingers at the defense. I'm just, I, I'm. Trust me, I'm the first person to lay blame at Adam Flores' doorstep. Trust me, believe I am the conductor of that train. I got the hat on. I got the little bell and the whistle thing at the front, front of the damn thing. But you can't blame the defense for that. I think you learned two things from this game: that the defense is good enough to keep you in football games, especially competitively. And also, like Max asked me this question actually in the Bahamas, is Jordan Travis like one of your is your is, is Jordan Travis your you know third most important player like on the team as a whole? And to me, after this game, I think he's number one. I think he's he's legitimately your most important player because he's able to keep the offense humming, keep the offense moving, thus letting your defensive strongest players like Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson rest a little bit. So I think this game just showed how important he is to making this entire thing click, whether we like it or not, it's not sexy, but it's still able to keep us competitive in the games. The the thing for the defense is they're put in some spots that an already struggling defense that's looking to find its identity and has been making progress throughout the season. There, our offense is going for some ridiculous fourth downs. 
on our own side of the field. Whether you agree with it or not, I don't agree with it. It put the defense in a really bad spot. It was a one-score game with eight minutes left. We had three timeouts. We could have punted deep. And then at the end of the game, we're not accepting penalties when we could have backed them up right on their goal line and the defense could have really pinned their ears back and put them in a good, advantageous spot. But we didn't. So just some things that are making it more difficult for us to play defense when sometimes it already feels difficult for us to play defense. It's hard to pin everything or a lot of things this year on this defense, which at this point I think is playing better than the offense. So I'm going to give you my, uh, my thoughts on that, but quick, real quickly, folks, let me tell you a little bit more about Built Bars. Heading over to BuiltBar.com. They have 19 delicious flavors. You'll typically get them, you know, with a new limited flavor every three to four days. Head over to Built.com. Use LOCKED15. It's the promo code. Promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off your first order. And once again, it's LOCKED15. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Stock up on the Cherry Barcia. Salted caramel like Dave's likes, or as Max is not here, but I'll let you guys know anyway, peanut butter brownies is his favorite. Locks 15 or 15% off at built.com. So, yeah, I mean, let's to wrap up the game and just wrap up the entire storybook on NC State. I, I get why people hate the call. I personally am a little more in that camp as well, primarily because your defense has been playing very well. Uh, I saw the statistic that the Noel cast dropped, like, you know, folks that you discussed that actually on their instant reaction. I saw the difference between, you know, going for going forward and punting was like a one to two percent increase of winning. And I know that they have their statistics that, you know, actually take into account personnel and everything. But to me, it's also like your offense has been very anemic for most of the day. That's, I don't know if the stats and models actually take that into account for actually the game that was going on. So I personally have done it. But in his defense, they did start at the one and they were moving the ball. So maybe that's the one time your offense is going to be going really, really hot. So maybe that's kind of dictates their thinking. And then the holding call with first and 20. Um, I mean, you either get first and 20 or second and six. I don't think if you try to run the ball up at first and 20, I think they know you're going to run the ball. So maybe you start to go get a second and 13, second and 15. So I don't hate that much at all. But I'm in agreement with you where I don't think going forward was the right move with how the defense is playing. I understand why some people do it. Like it's to me, it's very negligible. But that's not the reason I think primarily why we lost the game. No, but, it's not why we lost, but sometimes common sense can prevail over just math, math, math. It's not always about math. No, I know, I know. But sometimes, you know, you got to go with the numbers. And that's one of the things about football. It's like you have to go with your numbers and in addition with your gut. And like, that's not why we lost the game. But I get both sides of it. But like I said, like I'm on the camp that I think your defense was doing well enough for you to be like, hey, we can stop them a little bit. You punt from the 40. Maybe you pin them down inside their five. Maybe you do a little, you know, a little more magic because, like, that's what happened with Clemson the week before. But let's close the book on that and discuss primarily why Mackenzie Milne was starting that day. Mm. As most of you know, we haven't discussed this yet on the on this podcast that Choa Purdy actually has transferred from the program. And boy, Dave, we have been Chuba Hive, you know, CP twelve for a long, long time, and it really, this really, really sucks to. It's, actually, it's kind of a rock how literally it's only me and you and we're talking about Mackenzie Milne and Chubba today. Actually, I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, it makes sense. We've been Chubba's probably biggest supporters around the beat. Um, I've been banging that drum for a year now. Uh, it's it's just, it's an unfortunate waste of talent. The whole thing seems like it was mishand, mishandled by the coaching staff. It's inexplicable that he wasn't given some opportunities this year when it would have made sense for him to, if not start a game and if not 
you know, play an entire series, at least get him in in packages, at least make him know that he's going to get some playing time in the transfer portal age. It's unfortunate, but you have to do that. And not just that, but he also has looked super talented and a lot better than last year. We've talked, we talked about, you know, what, what was it? The, uh, what the, who the hell did we play that he played that a uh, couple series? What, UMass? Yeah, we, against UMass, man. Like, his arm just looked different. He looked better. He looked confident. He went 5 of 5. I mean, clearly the talent was there. His arm looked different than last year in a way that last year people were curious about what we had recruited. I think he'd answer those questions in the limited time we saw him this year. He should have seen the field. He didn't. And now he's gone. So... I have a theory about this, and by me, I'm going to say that Max's theory. Max actually kind of hit the nail right on the head, so kudos, kudos to the homie for actually getting it almost, I think, from what I'm hearing, too. So he was talking to some people, and apparently Chubba, uh, Chubba found out that Mackenzie Mux was, was going to start the game if Jordan Travis, you know, was, in, was, still, was not ready in time for the NC State game. So I did a little bit of digging. So Chubbo actually was informed, like I think, I want to say after the Clemson game, that, hey, if Jordan isn't good to go, you're going to get the majority of the game reps. I don't know if whether he was told he was starting or if it, or if it was that told, but that's something along those lines. And then apparently later in the week, he was told, hey, sorry, but by the way, if Jordan can't go, we're actually going to give Casey majority of the game reps. And that's kind of, I think, where, you know, the straw or camel's back, because there's apparently, if you've noticed on the, um, over the past, in his, uh, not his, his transfer post, he thanked everybody but the coaching staff. And apparently there's been a lot of issues between him and them, whether it be his injury from this fall practice last year, his injury again in the spring, and then also that apparently the family was not happy with the selection of doctors they, you know, assigned or selected for his surgery because, you know, he got the surgery, he got infected, yeah. got, he had to get cleaned again, had to clean again, and then he went over to Arizona for, I think, what, three to four months? And then came back. I think he had his own surgery over there. I'm not 100% sure. So at that point, I think that was camel's, the, cam- the straw that brought the camels back. And then you see today where, like, in the press conference, Norvell was like, after speaking, he said, after speaking with his own family, Chubba was out. So to me, this is not only primarily the kids' decision, but it's also something that he discussed at length with his family. And if, it's, if his family's involved, that's something to me that's been brewing for a very long time. Yeah, you know, I'm almost over what caused it. The fact is, our quarterback room just got significantly worse and thinner. And it was already a thin quarterback room, largely filled with unknowns. We can say all day, can't wait till Duffy gets here. And I can't wait till he gets here. But I don't expect a true freshman to come in and be the solution for all of our problems. Even Jameis wasn't a true freshman when he came in and solved all our problems. And Duffy won't have the same team around him that Jameis had. So, look, reasons aside, after watching that NC State game, even during the game, I couldn't help but think to myself, wow, it would really help to have a stronger arm like Chubba Purdy in here. Would he have made more mistakes in the game than KZ did? Yeah, probably. Uh, But would he have been able to push the ball down the field in a way that we weren't? Definitely. Yeah, and that also, it goes to show also me too that this kind of, this was this transfer to our party. It's it's something that probably definitely came out su- supremely left field, and something that Norvell definitely just he knew he kind of messed up on. Because if he knows his reaction to this in and re- juxtaposition with the reaction to DJ Matthews transferring last year, like when DJ Matthews transferred last year, he kind of happy. 
not I'm not gonna say happy. He was happy. He, I'm not gonna say happy, but he looked a little more like, oh, he's gone. Okay. I, I think I know he had a little bit of smirk at the end after that question was asked. But you know, that's new here and there. But with the Purdy one, he was like, I was shocked that, you know, like the entire team was blindsided, like, kind of like along those lines where it seems to me that he kind of knows that he dropped the ball a little bit with that. And unfortunately, now he's got to figure something out, whether it be, you know, helping the transfer portal. Uh, it's not going to be A.J. Duffy because hopefully he, I mean, he keeps him. But like you said, A.J. Duffy is not going to be ready to, come, to start year one. I know, folks, you want to hear that. But one, his footwork isn't particularly that great. Two, he has a, he has a finger injury, supposedly, which caused him to leave IMG um, and get ready for, you know, December enrollment. But to me, that's just something that we definitely need to see moving forward. And I hope he has an answer for this. I mean, he's the man with the plan, with plan A, B, C, D. You know my opinion on that. But he definitely has, like, you know, contingencies in place. So hopefully he's able to muster either a transfer QB or maybe another high school option. I doubt that, but we'll see. Yeah, and look, Jordan Travis, again, we said it before the season, the kid puts his body on the line. He's probably going to miss time for injuries whenever he's the starting quarterback. And right now our backups are Mackenzie Milton, who obviously is not mobile and his arm strength is super limited and Tate Rodmaker. We have nothing. Behind hey, hey. Gino English, whatever. I don't care. I like Gino. English. I know. Oh, that dude's tits are hilarious. Great. <laughs> I'm talking about a football team and trying to win here. Okay. okay. Um, I don't want to throw a true freshman. It's not, again, it's not even about Duffy to me. I don't want to cause another James Blackman here. I, I don't want to do that to AJ Duffy, throwing him into the fire with a bad team around him when he's a first-year kid. And if Jordan Travis goes down with an injury next year, is it Tate Rodemaker? I mean, he better hit the transfer port. He better hit the nail on the head with this one because we're going to be in aggravating shape next year where people are going to wonder whether we're going to get to six wins again if we can't get the most important position on the field sorted out. No, I mean, I agree with that, but I do believe that I think Jordan has progressed enough that if we, you know, keep, you know, certain players in, I know you're not a big fan of the offensive coordinator right now, but one of the big things is that since Dillingham has an affinity for him, he's done a lot of work primarily with Jordan Travis to improve his passing. And if that continues to improve, maybe we have a suitable enough start to maybe win eight games next year. I know I'm saying maybe win eight, but right now, if as a team, that's, that's kind of a high ceiling for next year. If we're being completely honest, I think, Next year, our goal should be six wins. I know that sucks to say, but that's just the state of affairs right now in Tallahassee, and that's what happens with the rebuild. But folks, that's all our time for today. We, you know, we hit the thirty-minute mark, so thank you all so much for love and support. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you can, don't forget to rate, review, like, share, or subscribe. Either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. And also, the boys are on YouTube now, so please hit the like, little thumbs up button on the video, hit the subscribe little banner. And then hit the little bell, ding it, so whenever we drop new new videos, new content, like this one, our new Triple Ds is back soon this week as FSU basketball takes on Penn on Wednesday and University of Florida also on Sunday. So we'll be back with new content. But as always, thank you so much for love and support. Thank you for listening. For Drake, that was David. We'll see you next time. I'll work on Seminoles, baby. Take care. F*** you, Miami. F*** Miami. F*** Miami. F*** Miami.